Hello and welcome. You are listening to Gay with God, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Are we still searching? The stories you hear in this podcast will melt your heart and can strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible. And you can be authentically gay with God. I am your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Gay with God podcast. I'm so excited to see more followers joining us each week, and I'm really happy that people are liking what we're doing and that you're showing up every week and that you're listening and sharing and doing all the things that are going to help us be more visible. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all the Gay with God community. I really appreciate you, and I love having you um, participate in the show at whatever level that you're able to do so. So today I have another great guest. Her name is Rachel Merrill, author of I Sang Away a stepmom spiritual memoir of healing. She is passionate about human potential. She grew up on a farm in North Dakota, USA, and moved to Vermont for graduate school in 2006. Rachel spent more than a decade fighting poverty and hunger in New Hampshire as a manager for the Welfare to Work program for single parents. Some of her specialized knowledge includes French, indigenous rights, the topics of mental health, substance misuse, domestic violence, and workplace development. In addition, she is a certified diversity and cultural competence trainer. She has enjoyed working in refugee resettlement as a camp counselor for kids from inner city Chicago and as a grant writer for life and water development. Rachel has worked for an international nonprofit since December 2018, where she leads guided meditation for their employees. She holds a master's in social justice and intercultural relations from the School for International Training Graduate Institute. She's also a Reiki master, certified holistic life coach, witch, singer, writer, wife, mom, and stepmom. And to learn more about working with Rachel or to inquire about speaking engagements, I'll be listing her website, www.rachelmerrill.me, on the show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com later. Well, we'll say that all again later, and then it'll all make sense. (laughs) So, Rachel, thank you so much for being on the Gay With God podcast. Thank you so much for that introduction, Midge. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I'm just um, privileged to know you. You have such a loving and kind spirit. And I'm so grateful that Jen and Bailey from Publish Your Purpose Press connected us. Yes. So I'm I'm just excited to be here and share my story because I think that the podcast listeners will really relate to some of the stories that I share. And I Mm -hmm. think so I think that they will see themselves in the stories. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm just excited to spend this time talking to you. Oh, thank you so much. And yes, I, I also shout out to publish your purpose. We, it, it is, it is a gift that we both found that, and it is a gift that yeah. we are going to be able to write our, our, our stories and get it out in the world and, and have people, um, take it where it is for them and where they're at. So, so let's just start. Um, we have a lot yeah. on our plate and we hope to get to some really special things later in the uh, podcast. And we'll see if we get, get to all of the, the perks that you have to offer us. So, um, please tell us your story. Yes. So, um, I would like to just start with going back to my childhood. Um, This was really the inspiration for this book I sang anyway. 
And um, I Sang Anyway is my memoir. It's uh, uh, the subtitle is a stepmom's spiritual memoir of healing. Um, so really going back to my childhood, I went through emotional and physical abuse. And that really made me feel like I lost my voice mm-hmm. at that point. And then as I grew older, you know, I really felt like, oh, I had to be a wallflower. I had to fade into the wall. And I didn't feel like I could really share my truth at that point. But I really turned to writing. At age 12, it became my dream to become a published author. And I also turned to singing. And so turning to both of those really helped me to kind of escape from reality or, or in another, I can put it another way to create my own reality. Uh I felt like I was in, I could control the reality. I could write the story I wanted to write and sing the song that I wanted to sing. Um, But also in doing these things, sometimes I was hiding my feelings, they really, they blocked me from uh, when I had these blocks up, when I was hiding my actual feelings and my truth, it blocked me from recognizing that I have, just like everyone else listening, and just like you have, we all have unique gifts. Mm -hmm. And I really needed to own my truth. Um, And then as, as I got older, you know, I still was trying to be the nice, quiet girl to just fade into the the corner. Um, I unfortunately I had a sexual assault and during my college years. Unfortunately, that story is all too common. And then I had a turbulent first marriage. And both of those things, they really impacted my sense of self-worth. But the good news is that um, as, as I grew older and um, a sad story that happened that my, my dear friend passed away. She was only 36 years old. Mm. There was no cause of death. But at that point, um, after growing up, going to to church, and um, I was like paid to memorize Bible verses, and I have missionaries and pastors in my family. And I, I just kept feeling though that there was something different for me and I'm not against church just to be clear about that Um, I fully support people believing what they believe as long as like you said Mitch and these are your words that Mm -hmm. if if what you believe is rooted in love then that is the sacred Mm -hmm. path Mm -hmm. and I just I love those words that I thought I need to hear what Mitch said (laughs) Because it's so inspiring and I completely agree with it. So even though I no longer go to church and I began to study spirituality, I feel like for myself, that is what helped to save me, Um, to learn more about spirituality, forgiving myself, how to heal. And I actually, as you mentioned in my bio, I, I ended up with a deep knowing and awakening, even this year that I am a witch. And I know I was raised to believe that that was evil. You should never go down that path. But I have found again, that as long as what you believe is rooted in love, that's the sacred path. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is some of my story. Um, And I think I, I think that what I wrote in I sang anyway, 
will really inspire the readers because not only, only do I share my personal story, very personal details with all the names changed to protect the people. <laughs> um, well, not only do I share my personal story, but also at the end of each chapter, there's short chapters of musical titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I share um, healing wisdom that I've gained during all of my studies and experiences. Um, I also share questions for reflection so that the reader can think about their own life and think about how can this apply to me? And maybe it will help open their eyes in a way that my eyes were opened. Um, So I really want to share that spiritual wisdom and compassion. Mm -hmm. And I want people to feel seen that they can share their truth. It's really about like, finally finding my voice and sharing my truth. And mm-hmm. here I am sharing my truth when before I wouldn't, I would barely say hi to people. Yeah. And now look, <laughs> now look at me. <laughs> so, so can we, can we hear some of what you've written? Is there a selection that you have that would be appropriate to share now out of your book? Yes. Um, this is a very powerful excerpt that I selected. Yay. Um, and it is from chapter 28. I'll go ahead and read it. Okay. The, the chapter is called staccato and staccato is a mus- musical term that means short detached notes. And uh, there's sort of a subtitle to this chapter. I know this can be a controversial topic, Heads up for anyone listening. So Black Lives Matter. One thing that Mary Jane and I had in common was that we both supported the Black Lives Matter movement. And just a quick aside, Mary Jane um, is the biological mother of my stepchildren. Again, names have changed. Separately, we marched in different protests to show our support for the movement. We marched with my stepson, Greg, and they carried signs with phrases such as, silence is violence. I became aware that she posted rather regularly on social media and her support of BLM. She often posted about social justice issues. That's why it was so ironic and sad that Mary Jane was so mentally ill that her actions seemed to show lack of care about my son's life. We found out the truth much later. I am recounting what happened regarding my son based on how Ginger described it to me. I will never forget. Mary Jane convinced Ginger, that's my stepdaughter, to report a false story about my son raping Ginger when they were seven and eight years old. Mary Jane wrote this detailed story on a piece of paper, including in her concocted tale that the rape happened in springtime each time after they got ice cream. She even described the clothing Ginger was wearing in her story. Mary Jane made Ginger memorize the false story until she could repeat it back to her. Then she told Ginger if she didn't tell this lie to the professionals, Mary Jane would bring her to a remote field in Maine, drop her off and leave her there. Mary Jane had already once left Ginger on the side of the road in Manchester, New Hampshire. And this made Ginger believe that Mary Jane would really leave her in Maine. Of course, 
Ginger didn't want to be dropped off in a field, so she told the lie to her counselor. The counselor reported the lie to the police. I knew this was an outright lie because Ginger has always been one of the most outspoken girls I have ever known. She has never been shy and has always expressed herself confidently. In fact, she broke my son's arm when they were little. Ginger would have immediately and loudly told us if the allegations about my son had happened. I was deeply concerned about the false allegations, not only because Gabriel is my son, but because he is biracial and considered black. If actually charged with rape, my son would live with that haunting him for the rest of his life. According to the National Association for the Advancement of Color People or NAACP, these statistics are sadly true. A black person is five times more likely to be stopped without just cause than a white person. A black man is twice as likely to be stopped without just cause than a black woman. One out of every three black boys born today can expect to be sentenced to prison compared to one out of six Latino boys and one out of 17 white boys. For my son to heal from the trauma of this false allegation, he must do so as a black child who is growing up in a country that still wrestles with racism. The consequences of this allegation would be so much greater for him because he is black, so the stakes were very high. This lie caused the Child Protective Services case to flip from nearly having Ginger live with us full time to our communication with her being restricted. Gabriel and I were ordered to have no contact with her. My husband was ordered to only have supervised phone calls for about three months, especially because Mary Jane then filed an ex parte to obtain full medical decision-making. We had nearly zero information about my stepchildren. All of it was organizing. Oh. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yes, it's a powerful story. And I wish I could say that my story is so unique, but I have a feeling that there are others out there that might relate to what I have shared today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I worked as a therapist for children and families, first as a school counselor and then through hospice and then at mental health and at a private practice. So mm-hmm. After all of those years <laughs> of being yeah. around children and and um, working closely with DSS, uh, that is one of the toughest things to go through. Is you know a coached allegation, yeah. and it is hard to pull it apart to see mm-hmm. all the truth and where it. There's always a grain of truth somewhere, but it's yeah. not always based in reality, and it may mm-hmm. not always be based in the people who get reported. So, um, you know, in my experience, you know, it's very rare for a coached child to be able to keep it together, but Mm -hmm. it is painful. So painful on all sides when, when they can pull that off out of their own fear and Mm -hmm. the amount of coaching that they have. So, um, the question that I have after hearing this is, is, was she able to recover from going through that trauma and was your son able to recover? And I'm not asking for details, yeah, legal details, yeah. but, but I, of course, as the prior therapist, I worry about how she moved past that. And does your book talk about that? Or can you just yeah. speak to that? 
Yeah, I, I absolutely go into a lot of detail in my book. I reveal um, so many other shocking details, but I'm really relieved and happy to say that um, although this all just happened last year, we have gone through a lot of healing as a mm-hmm. family. And as you know, healing is a journey and mm-hmm. it really, it happens in layers. So it's not going to be like you go from point A to point B, as you know, and it's not going to just happen, you know, a- after this year or the next year. I mean, it really can be a lifelong journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, however, uh, now Ginger, um, and I'm using her name in the book, um, lives with us full time and we have full custody of her, but that is all in the book. And, um, I'm so grateful that Ginger and Gabriel, my stepdaughter and, and my son, but they, they have an understanding that this wasn't something that she really wanted to do, but that she was under this immense pressure. Oh Yeah. And uh, they, now they get along, they kind of have like a typical sister brother relationship, you know, like love, hate, mm-hmm. where they will like <laughs> fight, fight sometimes. Like, yeah, sure. But <laughs> and they're so excited talking about a TikTok video or something. So uh-huh. um, yeah, they, it's been quite a journey in our household. Mm-hmm. It's a, a shocking truth, but I am so encouraged that there has been a lot of healing and, and joy coming out of this because for example, if, if all of this didn't happen, we wouldn't have our, our cat. We have, we love our cat. And I know that um, it's painful to go through those things because to get a cat, but that's one silver lining. And um, that I'm just so glad that we have been able to move forward and that mm-hmm. we have Ginger with us. Um, yeah. 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 yeah that's, amazing. Well, and the, the journey of healing has to go through the hurt. And, and that's what yeah. I always emphasize to the, to the people I worked with and to the kids I worked with, that it's like going through the, this lake of despondence. you know, that it's the slew of yeah. despond. And if you try to go around it or over it, you just never heal to the ability that you can heal unless you go through the pain. Yeah. And I actually, I do have to, I mean, give a shout out to the people in the community, the professionals who came in and Mm -hmm. helped us at one point, I think it was from September until March of this year, we had about five different professionals either coming into our home or calling in on zoom. Mm -hmm. And they, this included like therapists and doctor and social workers and Mm. all kinds of people. And that is really the thing that like you, you should reach out to, if you're in such a difficult situation, reach out to professionals and you cannot do it alone. You need to ask for help. Um, I, I felt like I was on the verge of a breakdown when I was going through all this happening in my home. Mm-hmm. And it's really emphasized the importance of self-care during mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. Lots yes. of long baths, long walks, like <laughs> everything you can imagine. Oh, and also the especially important point of getting into your car and turning up the music as loud as you can and screaming all of the things <laughs> that you wish you could say to that person or people that you're angry with. <laughs> you just scream all of it out. You get it out. And that way you're not 
you know, you, you get it out of you. You can't hold on to that toxicity. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I remember that um, when I was working at the private practice that I was at, one of my colleagues came in and said, oh, I found this, this event and you have to go. You just have to go. And I said, what is it? And she goes, it's rage weekend. And I said, what? And she said, it's a whole <laughs> weekend of women and you get to go there and you get to beat drums and scream. And I'm like, yeah. okay. <laughs> get it out of you in a yeah. healthy way. <laughs> I love drumming and, and I'm not opposed of screaming. <laughs> I can't scream. But I never, I never was brave enough to go, but it probably would have been very helpful had I done so. But, um, yeah, there's lots of ways to heal. And I love that, that you talk about doing it in a way that's authentic to you, but also healthy, you know, that, yes. that the way that we bury it. And, and when you, when you said that you, you know, you kept your feelings in, I, yeah. I did this, this whole thing about the word fine and the word F I N E, you know, is really like feelings inside, not expressed. And we'll just say, Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> And right? we are so not, I love the memes <laughs> that are coming up on Facebook. It's like, yeah, we're on track. And you see this railroad track that's like slipping into a, a river. It's like, this yes. is my track. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think, I think something else that has been transformational, which is really related to this podcast, that, uh, to the Gay With God podcast, mm -hmm. is that I, um, well, first of all, Ginger, my stepdaughter is a lesbian and I only came out this year to my family. <laughs> so 39, almost 40, keep that in mind. <laughs> um, told my family that I knew since I was 12 that I am bisexual. Uh -huh. And I think that fact really was what um, was why Jen and Bailey connected us. To, so they uh -huh. saw this sort of like, Venn diagram of all the interests that I bring forth in my book. And one of them is talking about sexual orientation mm -hmm. and uh, my whole process with that. I mean, I knew, I knew when I was 12 that I was bisexual because I would like draw pictures of females and I would be so interested in not only boys, but also girls, mm. but because of how I was raised in, mm -hmm. in the church. And I know not all churches are like this, but the church I went to was, was very anti-gay. Um, I would take those drawings and I would rip them up and shove them into the bottom of the trash. And I was like, no one has, no one should know about this. Mm -hmm. This is my secret. I should not share mm -hmm. this with anyone. And so I made myself, I focused as I got older, um, when I was ready to date, I told myself I can only date boys. I can only, mm -hmm. as I continue to get older, you date men. And then, um, but I've known since then that I was attracted to both boys and girls or, or men and women. And I remember having a, a conversation with my a friend of mine who is gay, um, I was talking to him, I was like, you know, I, I accept you for who you are, but I'm just not sure I agree with you being gay and living this lifestyle. And he, he asked me a question that completely changed <laughs> my mind. And I, he, he just simply looked at me and he said, can you choose who you're attracted to? And I felt like I was Ooh. melting into the seat. I was like, <laughs> no, 
I cannot. No one can. <laughs> no uh-huh. one just goes into a room and it's like, well, that's the person I'm going to try to be attracted to. That doesn't work <laughs> that way. <laughs> I'm going to will it to be true. I'll will it to be true. Right. (laughs) That's not how it works. And so um, after that, I really started to think about it more and, um, and to explore like why thinking about like, why do I feel this way? And, and um, it's just been so interesting being on this journey of, of, stepping into my truth mm-hmm. of finding my voice and saying, okay, well, this is what I was taught, but here is my voice and this is my truth. And I think that it's actually so much healthier to share your truth and to speak mm-hmm. your truth. Mm-hmm. And it benefits other people too. It's not just about me. It's about supporting the LGBTQ plus community and to, and showing love, just sharing, sharing love, no matter who you are, that's what it's about and supporting, mm-hmm. supporting others. Yeah. No, and that reminds me that today is national coming out day, which is a, a woohoo and a sad for us kind of thing, because yeah. there shouldn't have to be a national coming out and, and people agree. who yeah. are upset about it. Like, why do you have to have your own special day to come out? We didn't come mm-hmm. out as straight. You didn't have to come out as straight. Right. It was implied right. and expected that mm-hmm. you be straight. And yeah. so for us, you know, coming into our authenticity, releasing our shame, being able to stand in the person that we are, as we are created to be, yeah. is now rewarded by a day where some people like come out in masses. It's like, okay, they can't get us all. We'll all come out on the same day and then try to find us. But, you know, it, it, it is sad to me that we still in the year 2021 mm-hmm. are having to celebrate the fact that we are coming out when really we have always been here. That's right. And, and yet we have this day, which I appreciate that there is a day. However, Mm -hmm. I will appreciate it more when there's not, and that we will just organically be in our own space. And just like we're getting used to the pronouns of how, how do you feel comfortable identifying yourself? You know, Mm -hmm. they, them, she, her, you know, whatever, we'll be comfortable in saying, Hey, I'm kind of attracted to you. Are, Are you down with a, with a relationship with me? Not, you know, guessing if someone's gay, getting into a marriage Mm -hmm. doesn't feel, Mm -hmm. you know, authentic. I I can't wait for, (laughs) I hope I'm still here. I completely agree. (laughs) Yes, I hope so. Yes, (laughs) I know. And it it was interesting that the process of me coming out, because the first person I told was my current husband. Um, This is my second marriage. I didn't tell my first husband. I told this husband and he was wonderful about it, is wonderful about it. Um, and then I slowly, I told um, one of my friends who identifies as bi. And then I, I slowly told a few more people. I, I came out to my team at work at the international nonprofit I work for um, just a, a couple of months ago, I think, or wow. maybe, maybe it was in I think it was in June actually, but mm-hmm. um, I just told them and they were very accepting and everyone I told was extremely accepting, except for my parents. Mm. Um, my dad made a joke about it and I, it, it was interesting. I, it was through text, so I couldn't really tell like yeah. are you serious or joking, but it seemed like a, a 
joking about it, now taking it very seriously. He said something like, well, I don't just say random things I've thought over the years, but I thought, what does that even mean? <laughs> and then my, my mother said, oh, you can always come back to the Lord. And I thought, wow, thanks, mom. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I mean, this is, the, this is the response I expected. And this is exactly why I waited so long mm-hmm. to tell her. But this is this is my year of sharing my truth, of using my voice. And I'm proud to do it. And I'm, I'm proud to support other people in their journey. I'm excited that even though my book is only being launched December 21st, by talking to people about it, by getting pre-orders for my book, mm-hmm. people have told me, I've had at least five people say, wow, you really inspired me to write my own book. And I've started working on my own memoir or my own book. Mm-hmm. And that alone is so rewarding to me. Yes. I mean, the most rewarding thing to inspire others and, and to have them share their truth. That makes me so happy. Yeah. Good for you. So, so with, with the way that your parents reacted and you did it through text, is that implying that you are not safe to tell them in person? Did you worry about an in-person disclosure? Well, part of the issue is that they, yes. And they live in North Dakota where I grew, grew up. And I live in New Hampshire, uh-huh. so we don't see each other that often. Um, I did see them back in June, but um, but right, I I didn't really feel safe to say that in person. It felt much easier to just say, and I included my siblings on the text. I have three siblings, and they were all very supportive. And in fact, my brother texted me separately and said, thank you for, for sharing that. I really appreciate that you told us that. Mm-hmm. So, so that was nice. But, yeah. um, but it, yes, it, it is um, disappointing to get that kind of reaction from your parents. Yeah. You, you know, you, you would think it would, it would be wonderful for all parents to be accepting. I really value that, for example, um, my stepdaughter's biological mom and dad and I, we all support her and accept her just as she is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I finally got to the place of being able to ter- tell my parents about this because I finally learned how to love myself so much that I don't require mm. their love and approval, even mm. though I, of course I want their love and approval. Of course I do. I don't mm-hmm. require it. I love myself mm-hmm. so much that I'm like, that's okay. You can react however you react. And I still love and accept myself mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. And that is the journey. Yeah. You know, that is the journey to, to really become who we are without needing other people's approval and, and walking the truth that we're supposed to walk. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I did the same thing. I didn't, I didn't dare come out in person. I wrote a letter. <laughs> that was before text. Yes. This is how old I am. Okay. <laughs> that was before you could text people. <laughs> I used to write letters too. <laughs> so I wrote a letter. Yeah. And and the excruciating part of that, not being in the instant gratification era that we are now, you know, you can send it and whoosh, everybody gets it. Um, I had to wait for their reaction. And and that oh, was so you didn't know you didn't know and I didn't do it by phone because I knew that I would not be able to get my words out 
I wouldn't get all of my words out. I would be interrupted or I would, you know, they might've hung up on me and that kind of thing. Right. Um, so, so that just that fact of, if we have to build ourselves up to tell people who we authentically are and that we have to gauge our safety, we have to, it's not like, you know, we're, telling that we're the serial bomber you know we're talking about right. the, i just right. happen to love this girl that you think's my best friend but no but <laughs> you know, not really yeah. it was so right. funny when we came out to to my wife's she's my wife now my wife's mom she you know we talked about how you know you know we're buying this new house and and uh we're doing it together she said yeah it's really great that you guys are pulling your money and that you're going to be able to share that and you'll just i guess buy each other out when you get married and there was like this awkward pause and it was like, well, actually um, we're doing this together because we're a couple. And she goes, yeah, a couple of what? And she's, well, we're in a relationship. She goes, yeah, you're friends. And she goes, no, mom, we're more than friends. We're in a relationship and you could start to see the dawning happen. And then she was like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, oh my God. And then she goes, I will never speak of this to anybody ever. I'll never <laughs> tell anybody. <laughs> and so then when we had our, we had a holy union um, first because you, know, you couldn't legally marry and we had a holy union. And of course she was invited, but, you know, and she agreed to come and we're, we're in a room getting ready. And I look out the window and I said, oh, your mom's here with her best friend. And my wife goes, What? And she said, she, I said, she brought someone. Why would you bring someone to a gay wedding? And you're not going to tell anybody what's happening. Doesn't she know we might kiss in front of people today? (laughs) And she's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And so um, come to find out, apparently she had been telling people and her friend wanted to come and join in on our wedding. And then my mother, who you know, may still believe I'm going to hell for all I know, mm-hmm. but um, she came wearing this a t-shirt <laughs> that had the San Francisco um, gay colors. You know, there's this street. I don't know where it is. It's in San Francisco and all the buildings are painted a different color. It's called Rainbow Drive or something like that. And yeah. that's what she wears to the wedding. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I said to her, when I see that, I said, I can't believe you're supporting the gay people. I said, that's really great. She's how am I doing that? I said, with your t-shirt. And she goes, what, what? I just found this t-shirt on a rack. What does that mean? And I said, well, that's like gay pride right there. And she goes, will somebody think that I'm gay? And I'm like, that's highly doubtful. <laughs> I think you're safe, mama. It's okay. <laughs> you know, all that we laugh about now, but oh my gosh, right. that was such a anxiety provoking day when it came to, you know, people showing up that you didn't expect and not knowing how they were going to, that went back to, you know, that, oh my God, what if they don't agree with what we're doing? What if they're going to be upset? And this was our day, but we still had to deal with that unknown for a little bit. And that's just so sad. So, so with growing up in the, in the church, how did that Mm -hmm. affect you were 12? So were you still involved with with the church at 12? Yes. Yeah, so actually I went through catechism, which mm. is the Christian teaching, as you know, but um, for anyone else listening who may not know, it's a very intensive um, teaching that you go through almost like a series of workshops and you learn about um, not only the history, but how to apply Christian living. And so um yeah, I was, I was raised to really believe in, to memorize the Bible verses, to apply the Bible to everything in my life. 
And I, uh, the church that I grew up going to recently actually just split away from their sort of umbrella church um, to specifically claim that they are anti-gay, who would be a member of the um, Alliance. Um, I won't say exactly what church it is, but you can read about it in my book. Um, but <laughs> it is, um, they joined the Alliance that is anti-gay. And I, I found out about that actually the day, the last time I went to visit my parents in North Dakota and I attended the church. And I heard about that and I thought that's ironic that I'm hearing about this um, and here I am going back to my route, going back to my family. And I was mentally, you know, starting to, I was thinking about telling them that I've known that I'm bi for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually, when you were talking about the anxiety that you had before I even before this podcast started to have anxiety thinking about all the people from my hometown who definitely, I would say the majority are probably still anti-gay. I don't know that for a fact. I of course don't don't have numbers, statistics for it, but uh, knowing all of the people from this tiny town um, that has around 500 people or probably less than that. Um, I know that maybe some of them will listen to this and, and maybe some of them will judge me. I don't know. But again, that's where it comes in that I love and accept myself yeah. no matter what. And I also believe that other people will be accepting and will maybe feel empowered then again to share their truth, yes. to talk about themselves and say, I love who I love and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because you never know. I I mean, I went to a Christian college and it is amazing how many of us, even though we didn't know it all at the time, some of them did and they were, they were gay and they just never said it. And we walked that line of showing our facade to people. Mm -hmm. I was the clueless one, but, but there were many people, even the guy I dated and was going to marry um, was gay and broke up with me for that very reason. He loved me enough. He did not want to ruin my life by marrying me. (laughs) And we found that out years later. (laughs) He said, Mitch, I couldn't do it to you. I I said, well, you could have given me some clue. I thought there was something wrong with me. I had years of problems after that. Yeah, but you know, we yeah. could, but even that story that you can't tell your truth to protect someone else, and then that person doesn't know what the truth is of why right. you're protecting right. me and thinking that it's something wrong with me, you know. So it's right. it's just so unfair to keep us all bound by living in the untruth, you know. It really is, and I feel almost like for myself that it well, yeah, it was unfair, um, that as someone who is bi that I could sort of like hide and pretend to be straight because I dated um, men and I married to a man right now. Um, So it was sort of easy for me to just like hide. Yeah. But, but now no more, no more hiding. It's out. (laughs) This is me. That's right. This is me. (laughs) So I do want to to go back to to your journey of claiming yourself as a witch. Uh, But before we do that, you know, one of the things that that I love about music is that it can touch a person's soul on a Mm -hmm. level that is deeper than words. And sometimes, you know, the words um, edify the message and and sometimes just the music itself can do the work that you need to have done internally. But I know that since you're a songwriter, I'm, I'm yeah. going to guess 
that you may have something that we can we can listen to. I don't have anything to upload, yeah. but I think you're going to do this live, right? Yeah, I, I have a, a song I can perform a cappella. Um, okay. I wrote it when I was 18. Um, and it, it was actually based off of a Bible verse, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Um, and so would you like me to first talk about my journey of realizing I'm a witch or would you like me to share? Well, you just, you decide what, when is it appropriate? (laughs) Um, I'll talk a little bit about um, my journey into realizing I am a witch and then I I will be so happy to share my song with you all. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, going back to, as I mentioned, I grew up going to church Mm -hmm. and I went, I went every single weekend. I used to believe that if you didn't go every single weekend, that it was a sin. Mm -hmm. This is how I was raised. Um, very important to go. So I was attending, um, church with my friend who then suddenly passed away. She was 36, as I mentioned, Mm -hmm. and we were close because her daughter and my son went to the same daycare together. I mean, they grew up together and we went to church each Sunday. And after she passed away, I call her Trisha in my book. And there's a chapter dedicated to her. Um, it was very difficult and painful for me to go back to church because mm-hmm. I would think of her, I tried to go back and I just felt like I couldn't connect anymore in that space. And I just thought there's something else for me. I don't know what it is, but I want to explore. And after she passed away, it was really interesting because a couple of things happened that made me feel that she was trying to communicate with me Uh from beyond. And I wasn't sure what to believe at first, but um, right after she passed away, I I kept feeling that I should go to this spiritual store. I went inside. I didn't really know anything about spirituality. I'd been taught that like crystals were evil and stay away from all of that. Mm. So I walked in and I felt so nervous. I thought, is something bad going to happen to me because I'm walking into this crystal shop? Um, mm-hmm. But I, I looked at the crystals and I talked to a couple of the owners and one of the owners <laughs> I found out used to work with my friend. So I've been feeling this pull all this time you should go there. You should go there. You should go there. And then I walked in and, and I had met her at my friend's funeral. So that was weird. And then I felt like, okay, I should learn more about this spirituality. It feels right to me. Although I, I was sort of like, I was very hesitant, like stepping forward mm-hmm. into this new world, sort of like nervous. Yeah. Like, am I going to be struck down by God for sure. going sure. into this space? Um, and then a week later, another thing that happened that was very interesting after my friend passed away is that um, one of the kids, I can't remember who, they had accidentally broken my laptop. So I needed a new laptop. And I went on to this sort of, it's like a Craigslist for state workers at the time I was working contracted for the state. And I found someone who's selling a laptop, was a good price. We agreed to meet. And he said, I'll be there with my family, my wife and my children. I'll be on my driveway and then we can talk about the laptop there. So I said, okay, great. Drove out to his house. I thought, 
this neighborhood of French looked really familiar. And I got all the way to his house and it was right down the street from where my friend had lived. And he said, oh, um, I, somehow we got to talking. I, I said, you know, my, my friend lives right there or did live right there. I'm so sad that she just passed away. And he said, oh yeah. And I'll use her um, name in the book, Trisha. He said, oh yeah, my family is very good friends with their family. And I thought, what are the odds that, <laughs> first of all, I meet this person at the store that used to work with her. And then I'm trying to buy a laptop out of all the people I could buy them the laptop from. It's someone who is friends with her and lived right down the street and used to go to her house with the family. Their families would hang out together. Wow. So I, I just thought this is another sign that I need to learn more. And then as I continued into my, um, my journey of learning more about spirituality, learning about the chakras and breathing and meditation and all that, I learned about <clears throat> different things, different aspects that I could use to begin to heal myself. And it, it was so eye-opening that um, eventually as I started to do different things, I started to recognize patterns of some of the things that I did when I was a child. These are actually like behaviors of a witch and meaning like I had a, for example, I had a box and put different things in it. And I called it my dream box and I had a candle in it and I had different things. And that was what a witch you can use for spells. And I found out then that you can use spells for healing and protection. And I thought, well, wait a minute. I've been taught that being a witch is bad, that it's evil. But here is proof that it can be used in a loving way for protection and for healing. And that I did these spells and that they worked. Mm. And then I thought, have I been lied to to take away my power? Maybe, maybe not, but that could be, I don't know. And I felt like if I can heal myself and I can heal others, why wouldn't I want to do it? And I, I, I realized as I talked to other women who also call themselves witches, that they were coming to me and they were asking me for advice about how to do different spells and how to do different things. And I thought, how do I know all of these answers? I've never been taught this before. I just have a deep knowing, this sort of like ancient wisdom that is coming to me. And it's so fascinating to me that I am finding myself to sort of be a leader in the community for this. Wow. <laughs> and so it was very surprising to me and I, I didn't expect it at all, especially because it, I was reminded of when I was a child, I used, I preferred to read the Bible instead of play on the playground. And here yeah. I am. And I call myself, <laughs> I call myself a witch. But it, it was definitely not expected, but it, it was um, part of my healing process that it, it awakened something in me. And that's mm -hmm. how I discovered it. It wasn't like someone told me, it wasn't like I read it in a book. It was a deeper inner knowing that came from uncovering who I am and being authentic to my mm -hmm. voice. Well, this week, it's interesting that you said all that because this week um, in, I joined the Episcopal church in this past mm -hmm. year as I was coming back, you know, to a more structured religion. 
<clears throat> because I love spirituality. I love the idea of that, that Jesus to me was more of a spiritual master and not necessarily a, you know, a structured religious guy. He, he mm. did, you know, look at the Torah and he did read in the Hebrew, you know, and all that, but it, he had the spirituality about him, you know, not having to be on the top of everything and just, you know, being himself. And um, in the readings that we do every day through the daily office, it came back that, you know, there's all these things that some of you are going to be healers and some of you are going to be preachers and teachers, and some of you are mm -hmm. going to be doing these things. And it was all, you know, all about the love, no matter what you do, whatever your job is. And that mm -hmm. all of us have these aspects in us that sometimes lay hidden. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that when we're called upon, we can bring that out. And, you know, I may never be somebody who sees auras. I may never be somebody that can, you know, do the things that, that are in that group, but yet mm -hmm. we all have our own gifts and yeah. being a healer, whether it's through these spells or whether it's through, you know, divine intervention, you know, it mm -hmm. is because we are a conduit. Yes, you know, we, are. It, we are a conduit for the healing. And I was trained in theta healing years ago, and it is all about going up to the seventh plane where, you know, God resides. And I mm -hmm. witnessed the healing. I'm not mm -hmm. the healer, but I witnessed yeah. the healing once the energy passes through me to, to that other person. So, you know, all of those things would have been banned by the church, although it's still in the Bible. You can't be healers, but yeah, we can. You slap people on the head and make them <laughs> fall over. Ours is just a gentler way. <laughs> yeah. And no, I'm glad that you talk about Jesus because actually I, as a Reiki master, Reiki mm -hmm. is, it is divinely inspired by Jesus laying on hands. Absolutely. I am a Reiki master yeah. and I recognize that uh, this, this comes from the, the energy of Jesus uh, as I, uh, I call him an ascended master. Yes. And I, I still believe in Jesus in a different way than mm -hmm. I did, mm -hmm. um, but I, I witness the healing. And when I do Reiki, people tell me they're like, I felt like you totally transformed my energy from being stressed and in pain to relieved and light and, and mm -hmm. something moved in me that I feel so much more, more free. And then some people will cry on the table mm -hmm. after I do Reiki for them. Mm -hmm. um, they just have a release. And then I tell them, mm -hmm. please go, go take a bath and weep into the water and use these these natural elements to heal yourself because mm -hmm. we're so disconnected from nature in our modern life yes that, um to go back to, to nature to the elements to mm -hmm. to sitting in front of a fire to to letting the water run over you those kinds of things um that, but, that is part of the healing that's going back to who you are yeah. Just put your feet on the ground. Yes. We keep our feet bound up, you know, away from the sacred energy of the yes. earth. And, yes. you know, they, there's a whole movement about grounding and getting yes. your, I, I, I'm not going to walk barefoot everywhere I go. Cause that just mm -hmm. is icky to me, but, um, yes. but putting your feet on the ground and allowing earth energy to come up through you is very healing and grounding. It's so healing. And, and yes, even just recognizing that not only should we be grateful to the heavens above, but to the earth below, give your thanks also 
to the earth. I was actually just recently trained by an Incan man from Peru in alabaster stone healing. I'm probably going to say the name wrong, but it's Champicoya. I don't uh, speak Spanish other than saying (laughs) donde esta el baño, but (laughs) I don't speak Spanish, so I tried my best. Um, But uh, with this um, energy healing, you use these alabaster stones and they sort of anchor in the light and you give thanks to, you can say a great spirit or, or whatever you'd like to say, and also to Pachamama, to the earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, that way that you are recognizing the connection that you are connected and supported from above and below and you're supported all around. And when you remember that you're not alone and how supported you are spiritually, mm-hmm. that's the exciting part when some things start to change in your life. And you're like, okay, this isn't all just on me. <laughs> this isn't just me doing this. Right. This is, I am so supported and loved and I can always go to that place of peace. If I take mm-hmm. a deep breath and I close my eyes and I remember how divinely loved <laughs> I am. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I think it's time for a song. Okay. I, I'm going to move, <laughs> move my microphone. So okay. Don't get some in here. But um, <laughs> so this song, as I mentioned, um, is based on a Bible verse. I still love it so much. And Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Uh, I'm going to sing it a cappella. And I'm uh, Going to just go ahead. Here we go. Many miles of hurting, always wondering why, wondering about the future while looking toward the side. You know that you're hurt, you've been through so much. There's always rainbows after the storm, but don't be afraid. I have plans for you, plans to make you prosper and not to harm you. Don't be afraid. I have plans for you, plans to make you prosper and not to harm you. I will give you hope and a future too. I am always here. I'll never leave you. Don't know where you're going. Visions are so hard. Wish there were directions for this journey you've been on. Your heart has been broken, shattered, bruised, and torn. But there's light ahead. And there's peace after the storm. So don't be afraid. I have plans for you. 
plans to make you prosper and not to harm you. I will give you hope and a future too. I am always here. I'll never be. I promise. I promise. I promise. Don't be afraid, I have plans for you, plans to make you prosper and not to harm you. I will give you hope and a future too, I am always there. I will never leave you. Don't be afraid. Yes, I have plans for you. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all, you can't get that in the book, but you can get the book <laughs> in this launching right. on December 21st. So before we end today, Rachel, what is one final thing that, that you would say to someone if they were in the position that you had found yourself in, you know, living inauthentically, being fearful of, of your truth? What, what would you say to someone who came to you and said, what should I do? Yeah, I would give them Three words, don't give up. Mm. You are a wonderful, beautiful person with unique gifts to share with the world. You are worth fighting for, even on the days you don't feel like it. You are enough exactly as you are. Mistakes don't define you. The world needs your unique magic. Hard times will pass, and then you can look at them as your strength and be proud of just how strong you are. You're absolutely enough. You can absolutely survive anything. You come out on the other side healed. Yes, it takes work. And you are worth that work. Yay. Yay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel, for being here, for stepping into your power, for your truth, and for giving a light for other people to follow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Med. It's been an honor. Thank you. I feel the same way. And I want to thank all the listeners who come back each week, supporting, sharing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information and the link to where you can connect with Rachel for all of her gifts, um, that will be listed on the show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. If you are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you are authentically gay, God has always been within you, even when you didn't know it. You have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Stay tuned to hear how you can join the Gay With God community and feel free to check out our Facebook group, Gay With God. See you next week. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. 
Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.